James 4, 1 to 10. You ready? <clears throat> James 4, 1 to 10. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? I'd put it to you, it's the same stuff now that it's always been. All right? I put it to you that this message is as relevant today as it was the day that James wrote it to the people who were listening that day. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire things you do not have, so you murder to get them. You covet things you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel to get them. You do not have because you do not ask. And some of you do ask, but do not receive because you ask with bad motivations. You adulterous people. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you adulterous person. Don't do it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Especially do not turn to your spouse and say that right now. All right, don't do that. All right. Do you not know? Now, this is what he says in regards to all the former couple of verses, the former four verses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it's not often no purpose that Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he put in you, but he gives us grace? I want to tell you this, number one. Before we move on, that, uh, that when you marry someone, that person would prefer you to choose them over, the, over your friends. That person would prefer you to choose them over the world, all right? <laughs> when you've got to pick between lining up with your spouse and lining up with the world, you should choose your spouse. Come on, right? That's what God's saying here. Oh, y'all, y'all, I don't want to share you with them. I want it to be us. We're the bride of Christ, Amen. <laughs> Do you not know that it makes you an enemy of God? But he gives us grace still. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded people. Be wretched and mourn and weep and let your laughter turn your mourning joy to gloom. But humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So today we're going off topic. We've been three weeks on a prayer series. And as you know, if you know me, I'm very hyperactive. And there's no way I can do four weeks in a row on the same topic. So we're going off topic today. So anyway, high five one of your neighbors. Tell them that you're glad to be sitting near them. Brace themselves because it's going to get rough today. It's going to get rough in here today. When you read that, it does sound pretty rough, doesn't it? Come on, am I the only one? When you read that, it does sound a bit rough, doesn't it, right? You're like, man, God is like going after us today. It's a bit rough. And, um, and uh, uh, it's, we're going to have fun today. But what I want to do is I want to read the same passage to you, but from the message. What's the message, pastor? Isn't that bad? No. Listen, the message, it's not a Bible. It's like a commentary, all right? The message is like a friend and you having a conversation about what the Bible said. You hear what I'm saying? Right, the message, it's like a sermon, right? And so, but here's the thing, you need the Bible, all right? You can't live on just the message. You need the Bible. You need to read the Word of God. The message is not a Bible. It's like a podcast. It's like a sermon. It's like a snippet, a tidbit explaining something from the Bible, all right? So you need the Word of God. Someone say amen. You need it in you, coming through you. Uh, you need to breathe it. You need to live it, all right? You need the Word of God. <clears throat> but the message, like a good commentary, does a fantastic job of really summarizing what's happening here and what James is trying to get at with these crazy people, all right? And uh, before I read it to you, let me just tell you, this is a book written to a bunch of people that have a dark place in their heart that they haven't fully given over to the Lord yet, all right? This is a bunch of people who have an area of their heart that they have held back from God, all right? So James 4, 1 to 7 from the message commentary, it says... Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way. And so you fight for it deep inside yourself. You lust for things you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and you'll risk violence to get your hands on it. Who's encouraged so far? Come on. You wouldn't think to ask God for it, would you? Why not? Because you know that you're asking for something you have no right to have. You're spoiled little children each wanting your own way. You're cheating on God if all you want is your own way. Flirting with the world at every chance that you get, you'll end up an enemy of God and an enemy of His ways. 
And you suppose God doesn't care? Well, the proverb says that he's a fiercely jealous lover. And that's because he gives, sorry, and what he gives in love is far better than anything you'll find without him. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willfully proud, but he gives grace to the willing and humble. Amen. There's a lot going on here, isn't there? There's a lot going on here. And when we start reading it, you're like, oh, I feel like this is one of those times where the pastor goes off topic and hammers us all today, all right? Listen, there's a lot going on here. There is. But you're going to leave this place experiencing more freedom if you open up your heart to this word, amen? See, the biggest issue here is that they have not fully given themselves over to the Lord yet. They're living with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. You'll often hear the Lord, you'll often hear God in the word of God calling that living with a lukewarm faith. Have you all heard that before, right? <laughs> They're living with a lukewarm faith, right? They, have, they all have this, this one room in their hearts that they don't want to give to God just yet. And this dark room in their hearts is causing them bitterness. It's causing them pain. It's hurting their relationship with God. It's hurting them as individuals as a war wages inside them between the light and the dark. And, and it's causing trouble between them as a community of people. It's causing trouble with them as friends. It's actually leading them to fight each other. It's even caused some of them to kill each other in an attempt to satisfy these ungodly burning desires that come from the dark room in their hearts that they haven't given over to the Lord yet. And James comes along, he writes a letter to them all and he says, y'all listen up, the reason y'all are killing each other is because you haven't allowed God access to that last part of your heart yet. You haven't completely given yourself over to the Lord. And so there's wars waging inside you. And this is not only causing pain in your life, not only is it causing a war within yourself and others, it's keeping you from experiencing the fullness of God in your life. It's keeping you from experiencing the fullness of God's joy, the fullness of God's favour, the fullness of God's grace in your life because you haven't given it over. The reason y'all are fighting, the cause of your distress, the cause of your rage and the cause of your inner turmoil... You think it's because of something that you see and don't have in your life. You think you have all this turmoil and rage and stress and distress because there's something you haven't got yet, but the truth is it's because there's something you haven't given away yet. It's time to give away the keys to the dark room. It's time to give the last room of our hearts over completely to the Lord. For many of us, the dark room is a room that we know God wants access to it. We've heard God speak to us about it in our lives. God has said, hey, you can trust me in this room. I'll be gentle, I'll be kind, but would you let me come and bring healing and wholeness and light to this, this last dark room of your life. Other, other times we've, we've heard, we've read the Word of God and we've seen God's unchanging, always relevant Word has spoken to this, this room in our lives and yet, yet we hold the keys so tight we hold on to them so tight. And perhaps it's because we're afraid of what will happen if we let God into that room. We've become accustomed to living our lives with this room in our lives. And, and we're worried, we're afraid. What will happen if I give God this last room? What will happen if I give God this last bit? Everything I know might change. Everything I've been living for might change. What will happen? I'm afraid of what will happen if I finally give God the keys to this room that he's been speaking to me about, gently whispering in my ears, you can trust me. You can trust me. You can trust me. Church, you can trust him. And then there's others of us that today, that though you may be intentionally doing this, I need you to know there's grace and God's grace surpasses all understanding. God will, God's grace is here for you. God's grace is infinite and unending. But I need you to know there are some of us that we have a dark room and, and, and it's still there, not because we're afraid of the change, but because we, we really like it. We, we really like the dark room. We, we, we like what's happening in there. It's, it's our private little thing. It's our own little spot, and, 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 and I don't want to give it away. It's not that, it's not that I, it's not that I uh, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of what will change. I, I'm enjoying this. <clears throat> this is how I'm getting ahead in my life. This is, this is, how, I, this is how I have a purpose in my life. This is, this is, this is what I do, you know, and, and we love it, and, and we're not willing to let him in. But the thing is, whether it's because we've chosen I love this room or whether it's 
because we're afraid of the change, whatever it is, I want to tell you, it's causing you pain. It's causing quarrel. It's causing fights. It's, it's causing bitterness between friends that love each other or once did. It's hurting you. It's causing grief. It's, it's creating relational turmoil in your life. It's causing us to look at people with hatred, jealousy, rage, and bitterness all around us. It causes lust. It causes us to lie. It causes us to wage relationship wars with people that love us. And the longer we hold on to these keys, the harder our life becomes. Who knows if you get a dark room full of crap and you seal it all up and the windows are closed and the blinds are drawn and the door is locked, that, that it festers and that the mold spores start to come out under the door and, and it starts to infect the rest of our heart or maybe there's termites in there and, and we think it'll be fine. I'll just lock the door. I'll just close the windows. The termites will stay in there, but it begins to eat at the walls and the cavities and every other area of our hearts and, and, and it's destroying us. And the longer we leave the room closed, the longer the door's locked and the windows are down and the drawers are blind, the harder our life's going to become. For some of us, We've allowed God to have our whole life, right? But then times get tough and we start to throw some baggage back in the room. For some of us, we've allowed God access to our whole heart. You can have anything you want, Lord. You can have it all. Everything I have is yours. But then, but then we go through life and we get hurt and things happen and we start throwing stuff in the room. Throw that in there. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to talk about that. I just want to throw it in this room. I want to leave it behind over there. And then, and then things start to fester again. And we allow the room to clutter and mold. And, and, and I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you today about what's in your dark room. What's in the dark room of your heart? Do you have a dark room? Is one beginning to grow? Is the door starting to close? Is there some area of your life that you have shut off or are beginning to shut off from the Lord? What's God been asking you to finally give over to Him? Maybe you feel like, I've done this, God. I've done this, God. I've done this. God, I've done everything. Why am I not living in favor? And God's like, because you won't give yourself completely over to me. There's three main things that these guys had in their dark room that I want to share with you today. Three main things. You want to go there with me? Well, some of you do. Some of y'all are like, ooh, it seems intense today. Come on, anyone want to go there with me today? Come on, give me a wave. You want to go there today? All right. Come on, there's three main areas. And, and I'm, I'm going to warn you, right? Today's going to be rough for a moment, but it's going to end really nice. All right. We're going to land the plane. The plane's going to be turbulence and stuff, but we're going to land the plane in sunshine or rainbows. All right. And there's going to be candy and fairy floss everywhere. And fairy floss, what do you call that? Cotton candy everywhere. All right. <laughs> but at the end. <laughs> but we got to go on a journey first. All right. Y'all ready for it? All right, let's look at the first one. The first room that God wanted access to was lust. Lust. They wanted things they could not have, so they took it. They'd want another man's wife, so they'd kill him and marry her. They'd want a new car. They'd see, they'd see uh, Jenna's brand new, she doesn't have one, but they'd see Jenna's brand new BMW X7 and be like, it's amazing. I love that. So I'm going to kill her and take it. And that's what they'd do. They didn't want to put in the effort that she had put in to get that BMW. They'd rather just steal hers. Or if they couldn't steal it, they'd belittle her. They'd belittle that person's efforts by speaking badly about them. As if, as if, 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 if I say that they got it ill ways, if, if, if I pretend it's an ill-gotten gain, it'll make me feel better about what they have and I don't have. So they let the dark room of jealousy and lust cause them to tear others down in an effort to excuse their own lack and their own jealousy. And they say things like this, I'm not jealous, I'm righteous. I'm just pointing out what's wrong with them. You all heard people talk like that? You know, they act like they were the one that, that God gave with the gift of telling everyone who's, you know, not supposed to have things, you know. And they're like, oh, I'm not jealous, I'm righteous. I'm pointing it out. What I find is nine times out of 10, really 99, probably 999 times out of 1,000, when people say they shouldn't have that, what they really mean is nobody should have that except for me. Nobody should have a billion dollars. Then you walk up to them and be like, you want a billion dollars? They're like, giddy up. Right? Right? Come on. We're so obsessed with what they've got and what I don't have that I tear them down instead of doing the work to get there. <clears throat> Come on, am I preaching to somebody today? 
We can be so consumed. Look, oh, nobody should have a billion dollars. Nobody should earn a billion dollars. Nobody should have five billion dollars. Hey, shut up. What are you going to do with your life? Come on. Come on, what are you going to do with it? Right? Hey, there's nothing wrong with having a BMW. If she comes up to me and goes, Jesse, here's a BMW X7. I'm going to be like, yes, ah, let's go. Right? Nothing wrong with that. Something wrong with belittling people because they've got something you don't have. Something wrong with wanting to steal something from somebody because they've got something you don't have and maybe shouldn't even have. Amen. Come on, y'all with me so far? So this festering dark room, it's destroying their relationships. It's removing any possibility of growth, any possibility of leadership or inspiration in their lives because somebody that was in their life that could have helped them become something, somebody was in their life that could have taught them something new is now gone because I've belittled them. Because there's a tension between us because I refuse to rejoice with those who rejoice. Instead, I will tear you down to lift me up. Because if I can make you look one foot tall, when I'm four foot tall, now I look tall. And that's what they do. Come on. They, they, it destroys any possibility of growth, leadership or inspiration in your life. They get passed up for a promotion and they say things like this. She slept her way to the top. Oh, she didn't earn it. No, she got there. It's ill-gotten gains, right? Or maybe she worked her butt off to get there while you were actually sleeping. Maybe she worked her butt off while you were complaining and arguing with your boss instead of doing what they asked you to do. Maybe she actually submitted to the authority that God put in her life, did the job she was called to do, and someone saw it and promoted her. Hello. Turbulence. I told you there's going to be some turbulence today. Y'all still with me though? Yeah. But we all want to be inspired though, don't we? Like I want to be inspired. Anyone want to live an inspired life? Right? I want to be inspired. I don't want to lust after other people's things, but I do want to be inspired, right? And I was thinking about that. I'm like, what's the difference between lust and inspiration? Because I can, I can see maybe even as a pastor, I could see somebody with a more influential church. I could lust after that and belittle that pastor and be like, well, they ain't preaching the truth, right? Come on, you hear that one, right? Well, they ain't preaching the truth. Or, well, I could do that too if I compromise. Like, you know, we say all this stuff, right? To belittle that other person. Or I could be inspired and be like, hey, how do you lead that many people to the Lord in one year? <laughs> Help me learn that, yeah? See, I believe the difference between lust and inspiration is that those who are inspired are willing to do the work. <laughs> Come on. Those who are inspired are willing to do the work, honor the person who's already been there, honor God, and stay humble when they get there. Come on, and they stay humble when they finally get there. But those who lust after other people's things, those who lust after the fruits of other people's labors are unwilling to do the work, so they steal. Or they belittle those that have done the work in an effort to cheapen what they've got. Lowering others' achievements so their lack of work, their lack of honor seems better when it's stacked up against someone who's actually done something with their time. For example, when they see a marriage like they wish theirs was. Or when they see a beautiful woman or a handsome man, rather than being inspired, doing the work in their own relationships to have an honoring marriage like that, instead, they'll just take that man or take that woman because they think, well, their marriage is good because they've got her. No, their marriage is good because they've got them doing the work. Come on. Hello. Let me tell you, affairs aren't about looks. Ugly people have affairs too. <laughs> Put that on your Instagram. <laughs> Tag Pastor Sean. He's the one who said it to me before church. <laughs> that was an untruth. Affairs are about lust. Taking something that's not yours without putting in the work. Someone who lusts after someone else's position would gossip, would belittle someone else's success. They would, they would tear down the person that rose up. They have a 
tall poppy syndrome. All flowers must be the same height. If one goes above, we'll strangle it. That's, that's lust. But someone who's inspired would learn from them and do the work asking for God's favor that they might honor God in their advancement. Hey, if your dark room is full of lust, let me tell you again, I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to help you open the windows. I'm not here to make you feel bad. Oh, you've been that? You've messed up? You've done that before? Cool. I have messed things up in my life, and I'm going to mess some more things up. But I hope that if it ever gets to the point that it's a space I'm unwilling to deal with, that someone comes and says, Jesse, let's open the windows. I'll help you, right? I'm not here to make you feel bad. I don't know what you've done, but I do want to ask you this. What are we going to do now? All right? Hey, that's where we've been. That's what we've done. That's what we've seen. That's how we live. But how now shall we live? What will we do tomorrow? Come on. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to help you open the windows. If you open the windows today, you're going to have a better relationship. You'll have better friendships with people when when you're inspired by them or simply just rejoicing with them rather than tearing them down and 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 being jealous of them. You'll have a better marriage. You'll have a better career. Your heart will begin to fill up with the fresh air of joy of hope, of peace, amen. If you let God in and clear out that lust for the fruit of other people's labours, you'll finally come alive. You'll finally come alive. Hello, you'll come alive, amen. Maybe you'll begin to have that fire that, that you remember way back when. I remember when I was on fire for the Lord. When just a passion for God and God's house and God's word consumed me. Well, you want to go back there? you got to give him your whole heart like you did that day, amen. Come on, who's ready for the next one? All right, I'll be honest with you, the next one sucks. So now who's ready for the next one? Yeah? All right, y'all ready for this? I promise you, it's going to be rainbows and flowers and cotton candy. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a beautiful spring day at the end of this, all right? Maybe some, maybe some rain, you know. It's going to be beautiful, all right? But, but, but we're going to go through some turbulence first, all right? And this is not because I want to judge you. This is not because I have something against you. This is because I want you to experience freedom in your life. And I want you to live in the fullness of all that God has for you, Amen. Man, having a full relationship with God, experiencing the fullness of God in your life, amen? Now, the next one might seem a little bit silly, like it's something weird. I'm like, God, why are you even annoyed about that? But here it is. Some of them, it's a second group. <clears throat> Maybe some of them are the same people. They, they sought favor from the world. And that could seem like, okay, big deal, right? Like that could be a little bit like, all right, God, what, what's such a big deal with that, right? <laughs> in fact, in fact, they might, I might be like, hey, God, wasn't it you that told me that I should, and I quote verbatim from your word, that I should do all that I can to live at peace with everybody? So now why you've got a problem with this? So now why are you like, oh, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Be a friend of the world. You'll be an enemy of God and God's ways. Why now are you saying that when you told me to live at peace with everybody? Why did James write, on behalf of the Lord, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I'll tell you why. It's because they chose the world over God every time. They chose the world over God. It's like me being married to my wife and some other woman being there saying, you want to go out for coffee? And every time I'm like, yeah, sorry, honey, I'm going with her. We are the bride of Christ. He doesn't want that kind of relationship with me. Come on, he doesn't want that kind of relationship where, where I'm living my life for favor with, with Jezebel instead of favor with my wife. Hello, hello, come on. Everything they did, their greatest desire was to be a friend of the world. Everything they did, everything they wanted, every desire, everything they were jealous for, they wanted those things so the world would look at them and be like, oh, well done, well done, you're amazing, look at you up there. Everything they said, everything they had, All of their motivations were to be adored, to be honored, to be revered and feared and loved by the world. They would change their beliefs. They'd act differently. They'd shift with the wind to stay in favor with the world. In Proverbs, Solomon writes about gaining favor with God and with men. Note, it doesn't say favor with men and with God. He talks about finding favor with God and with men. But it says that it all comes from understanding the Lord's teaching, from trusting in God, being faithful 
and loving, amen. Faithful to God, but loving also, amen. But these men sought favour with mankind first. That was their goal. All they wanted was to be admired. All they wanted was to be adored by men, to be talked about, to be glorified and lifted up by men. It didn't matter how they got there. They could steal from you. They could belittle people. They could abuse people. They could churn out employees like pieces of trash. They could do all that. It didn't matter. All that mattered was that they got to the top and everybody glorified them. Just to be revered, feared, admired. That's all they wanted, favour with men. So I got to thinking about gaining favour with the world. Or gaining favour in general. And I realised something. I'm going to share it with you in a minute. But first I want to share with you, isn't the word of God counterculture? Have you read it? Come on, is the word of God is counterculture, isn't it? Have you read it? Right? If you've read it, you know it's counterculture, right? Culture's going that way, the word of God's going that way. If you've read it, you know it, right? Am I right? Yeah? The word of God is counterculture. It's almost opposite many of the world's beliefs. Let me just share a couple with you. You ready for this? Three people like... Everybody else is like, can I get a seatbelt first? I'll wait. You ready now? All right, let's go. Grace. Grace is offensive. Grace is counterculture. Everybody is welcome in the house of God. Everybody is welcome in the house. No matter how big your dark room, maybe you have a dark heart with one light room. Welcome in the house of God. Hello, grace. Grace is offensive. Grace is counterculture. The world doesn't understand grace. They speak about something that they don't even understand. The idea that a bad man could give his life to Jesus Christ 10 minutes before getting splattered by a truck and his sins would be forgiven and he would join you and me in heaven for all of eternity. That's counterculture. What he lived like, he lived running that way his whole life. I've been running that way for 78 years. He turned around, took three steps, and now he's in heaven? Grace is counterculture, isn't it? There's enough grace for you. There's enough grace for you. There's enough grace for you. Amen. Grace is counterculture. Y'all need to know it, every single one of you. It is God's grace that sustains your salvation. Amen. There's enough grace. Amen. Grace is counterculture. The idea that the idea that our Christ, the idea that our God would accept both the abuser and the victim. That's counterculture. The world wants to punish you for your sins. God says you're forgiven. It's done. God says you're holy. And then he goes on to say, literally verbatim, because of the words I spoke to you. I'm holy because he just decided? You're holy because of the way you behave. Nope. You're holy because of the words I've spoken to you, he says. You're forgiven. It's new. But the world wants to punish you, don't they? Oh, you did what? You said what? Oh, man, we cancel everybody. And Christians like we don't, but we tried to cancel Target and Starbucks. Like we think, you know, like, no, but we, we're canceling things. We've got to quit that. Stay engaged with the world. Amen. Stay engaged. Preach the word of God. Amen. Be like, hey, y'all need Jesus. So I'm going to bring him into your business right now. But when I'm there, I'm going to tell you something. Hello. Come on. But the world wants to punish you. There's this prevailing idea in the world now that you're a bad person if your forefathers were bad people. That you need to be punished and apologize not only for your sins, but for your father's sins. But Jesus says, forgiven, set free, and set free into freedom. Never punish. In fact, God said to Moses verbatim, never punish somebody for their forefathers' sins. Why did he say that? Because it's anti grace. Because it's anti-grace. Come on, it's anti-kingdom of God to hold someone else's sins against you. Hello. All sin was to be held against Jesus and that's it. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Someone say amen. Grace is counterculture, isn't it? And guess what? All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The best of you and the worst of you. All who call on the name of the Lord. Can I get an amen? Do you want another thing that's counterculture? Y'all want to go there? We want to run down this road again? Yeah, y'all still with me? By the way, I've done this sermon three times. I have not once managed to land it on, on time, so get over it. All right? 
Not once. I've been doing real good for like eight weeks, haven't I? Like on time, on time, on time. Like way better than Delta, you know? Like on time, on time, on time, on time. But this week, nope. Before I even keep going though, stick around. When we do stand up, don't be like, oh cool, finally I can go pee. Just get over it. Your bladder's not going to break, all right? Just make peace with it. I don't want you to just come here and hear a word. I want you to be transformed. And I don't have the power to change your life, but the Holy Spirit does. So, so at the end, we're going to have an opportunity to pray for the Holy Spirit to minister to people. And if you walk out, all, you did, you, that, that, all you're doing there is you're like, oh, cool, I saw an Aussie guy preach. No, I want the Holy Spirit to minister to you, okay? So stick around, all right? Please do that for me. It's going to be a powerful moment at the end of the service. Anyway, you want another one? Good. Right and wrong. Two very simple words. Three, I guess, if you count the end. <laughs> right and wrong. If you read the Word of God, it's very clear that many things that the world calls good are in fact wrong. And there are many things that the world calls wrong that are in fact good. And if you believe the Word of God, and if you live a Spirit-filled life, you better believe me when I tell you this. Your beliefs on right and wrong and the world's beliefs on right and wrong are on a collision course. They're on a collision course. And you got to choose when that when that train is coming at you and you're coming at it. You got to choose. Am I going to bend in an effort to misquote scripture and misapply scripture and live at peace? Or am I going to stand firm? And then as the word of God says, having done all that you can to stand firm, stand firm still. See, listen, you can have favor with men and women. But here's how it happens. And here's the thing that I was thinking about. You've got to choose which flavor of the favor you want to live with. You can have favor with men, but you've got to pick which flavor you're going to live with. There's two flavors of favor. There's favor that comes from compromise and there's favor that comes from an uncompromising spirit. One of them's like chocolate. The other one's like choc malt. One of them is just a little bit of favor with mankind. The other one's favor with God and mankind. What do you want? Do you want favor that comes with compromise or favor that comes from having an uncompromising faith in God? See, favor that comes from compromise is favor that comes from seeking first friendship with the world. Oh, I'll pretend right is wrong when they ask. I'll pretend that God doesn't care about that, and 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 God, any number of things. I'll pretend that God's fine. I'll compromise the truth so that I can fit in with my political party, or so I can fit in with my friendship circle, or so I get invited to the big table and my lunch break. I'll, I'll say whatever you want. What do you want me to say? That person might get favor with man, but they won't have a single ounce of favor with God because they've made themselves, what? An enemy of God. You'll have favor with man, but there won't even be an ounce of favor with God because God doesn't want to share our hearts just like Lauren doesn't want to share me with some other woman. Come on. I told you it's going to be some turbulence today. God wants your full heart. Is there a part of your heart that you haven't given to him yet? Is there a part of your heart that you've held back from God? He wants your full heart. So choose to stand firm in the truth, to do what's right, to say what's right. Listen, though, if you're the person that's out there looking for people to abuse, you're not doing truth right. Scripture says to speak the truth in love. And some people are like, the truth is love. And I'm like, you know what? The truth's a part of love. But God himself said, speak the truth in love because he understood that not every truth speaker is loving. He understood that some truth speakers are actually turd burgers with a little bit of ketchup on them, right? No, 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 no. God said, speak the truth in love. We're not out there going like, I'm going to fight you and I'm going to fight you and I'm going to fight you. Debate me. That's not what we're doing. No, what we're doing though is we're going to stand firm when that freight train comes at us. I won't move. Amen. I'm going to choose God. 
I'm telling you, choose God and God will give your, favor, your business favour. Choose God, God will give your family favour, amen. In fact, if you choose God first, you'll have favour with God and God will give you favour with mankind, but he'll give you favour with the right people. He'll give you favour with the ones who are going to help advance your life, advance your family, advance your career, advance your business, but in a way that glorifies and honours God, amen. So stand firm. Stand firm. You can do this. Stay the course. Don't compromise. God's going to pour out his favor on you. Amen. God's going to pour out his favor on you. Some of y'all have been waiting. Give him the keys to the last room. God's going to pour out his favor on you. Hallelujah. His favor is coming. Amen. Are you ready for it, church? See, I believe this is a real prophetic moment. And I know this has been a bit, you know, this has been a, a heavier word this week. But, uh, but are you still with me? Yell at me if you're still with me. Good. Could because I've still got like 16 minutes left, all right? And so, but this is a real prophetic word for many of you. Some of you are called to do certain things in your life, and God is reminding you right now my favor will land on you if you stand firm. My favor will propel you if you stand firm, amen. My favor will elevate you if you stand firm. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> See, some of you are called to be politicians. School boards, local council, whatever it is. Some of you are called to lead in that area, right? There's, there's thousands of people that are connected to this church. Somebody's called to be a politician or something, right? I put a thing on my insta framogram. I think it was a week or so ago. I said something, and I got abused for it. That was nice. And, um, but here's the thing. Like, I, I put stuff on my Instagram, but what I don't do is go find yours and try and fight you on yours. See, that's looking for a fight. Um, do you know what I mean? I'm not doing that. I'm not like, hey, that's stupid. You're an idiot. You know what I mean? I'm not doing that. But I will share the truth. And I won't just be like, here's something I'm thinking about. It's like, here, I've thought about this. Here it is, right? So I put this thing up on my Insta frame of Graham, And I just said that if I was running for office, I, my slogan would be, I'm a Christian and my religion will always interfere with my politics. I'm a Christian and my religion will always interfere with my politics. Like the Christians are the only people that the world wants your beliefs to not affect what you do. Everybody else, what you believe, that's fine, but not Christians. Sit down, shut up, don't talk. Stand up, speak up, let's go. Amen. I'm a Christian and my religion will always interfere with my politics. Do you know what I hear when I hear someone say, I'm a Christian, but I don't let my religion interfere with my politics? I hear, I don't have a spine and I'll just do what the person with the most money pays me to do. That's what I hear. I'd rather someone says, here's what I believe. If you don't like it, don't vote for me and then it won't happen. Right? Come on, tell the truth. Stand up, stand firm. Come on. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. Yeah, let's go. That's a good word for somebody in here. Stand firm. Tell the truth. They'll either vote for you or they won't. And no, I'm not running for office. <laughs> Ever. In fact, we are a part of a denomination, or at least our staff are. We get our credentials through a denomination, and, um, and there's three levels of credentialing you can have, one, two, and awesome. And, um, and, then, and, and to get elected to any sort of position where you can help guide what happens and tell everybody, here's how you need to do things, to get elected to that, you have to be number three up the top, number awesome. Um, actually, out of all of our staff, I have the lowest level. I'm number one. A couple of my staff are like a three. And I've done all the training and all the study. I think I've got the, the most number of years of Bible degree out of anyone on our staff. Um, but, and I've done it all and I can get it. And I'm like, nah, I don't want it, you know. And, uh, and, and that, that denomination is like, could you, like, just get it. Just, just fill out the piece of paper. And, and then you can be elected to things. And I'm like, I don't want to be elected to anything. I just want to build the local church. I just want to do what I'm called to do. Amen. I don't need y'all being like, vote for Jesse. No, everyone who votes for me would regret it eight minutes later, right? Like, I don't want that. I ain't doing that at all, ever. And uh, so anyway, and plus, anyway, do you know what I think is better? Rather than getting elected and telling everyone what to do, I'd rather just do something worth following. And you can do that from the bottom. Amen. Anyway, shall we move on? Business leaders stand firm. School teachers stand firm. Looking for a wife, looking for a husband, don't compromise what you believe. 
You'll regret that. You'll marry them and three months later be like, oh, they're Satan. You know? Not really, I'm kidding. But everybody's thought that at least once in their marriage. Sean said every day. I'm like, that's not cool, man. And so... He didn't, Holly. He didn't. Good. She knows. And so, Sean, you're getting a beating today. I'm sorry, man. Don't sit on the front row. I love you. <laughs> He's got broad shoulders. Come on. But, you know, but seriously, don't compromise what you believe. Compromising what you believe, yeah, it might get you into bed quicker, but it's not going to bless you. And you might have made some of those mistakes. You might have done the wrong thing. Again, we're, we're balancing this truth and love thing here. And you may have messed up. You may have made some mistakes. Hey, I'm not here to judge you. I just want to ask you, what are we going to do tomorrow? You know, could we stand firm tomorrow? Could we do it another way and see God pour out his favor on your life tomorrow? Amen. Let's try another way. Let's give him our whole hearts. Amen. If you stand firm, let God promote you. Can someone say amen? Ready for the last one? Pride. Scripture said that God opposes the pride, the proud, and, but his favor rests on those who admit they need him. Can I tell you, I think the best way to sum up humility is three words. I need help. If you can say those three words, you'll overcome your pride. I need help. It's that simple, right? So you've got a great business. You know, you've got a great business and you're trying to check, am I prideful or not? You know, um, I don't know. Well, do you, do you think you've got this now and you're, you're the king and you don't need anybody else anymore? You've got pride. Do you recognize that, hey, God blessed me with this great business. I need his help to go to another level. I need his help to even sustain it as it is. I need people's help to keep it going, amen. I need help, right? Be humble. I need help. Stay humble. Stay humble. Remember who promoted you. Remember who saved you in the first place. You know how to make sure we don't become a legalistic, mean-spirited bunch of jerks, church? Do you know how we do that? Remember that the person out there that you would be as unsaved as them if Jesus didn't save you. You'd be as lost as them if Jesus' grace didn't come into your life. Come on. You need Jesus as much as they did. Not 20 years ago when you gave your life to Christ. Last night, you needed Jesus as much as they do. Come on. We all need Jesus. None of us are ticking the boxes. None of us are perfect. I thank God I'm not where I used to be over there. But I'm definitely not where I'm head and I'm definitely not where I need to be yet I'm still holding up the Bible saying this is how we should live while not really ticking all those boxes myself but I'm still holding it up saying God help me get there help me get there amen remember to stay humble if at some point you forget you need God very soon after that you'll remember you need him for some people pride is actually preventing you from admitting you need help Maybe you've got anxiety and you need help. Listen, you don't want to do anxiety on your own. Stop trying to pretend that men don't get anxiety or that men don't get depression or that real women are strong. or that, You know, like, come on. Like, if you've got anxiety or you've got depression, don't let your pride stop you from getting help. Scripture says, confess your sins to one another that, they, that you may be healed. And I'm not saying that, and, and I don't say that to say that anxiety or depression are sin. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that it's, it's in speaking to other people that we get help, that we find healing. It's just the way God designed us. We need each other. If, there, if you've got anxiety, you've got depression, just share it with somebody. Confess a struggle to somebody else that you may be healed, you know. Maybe there is sin in your life. Maybe, you know, some people I said earlier, they've got this dark room in their lives full of sin and they love it and they want to stay there. For some people, you're like, I hate this thing that I do. I hate this sin in my life. I hate this thing. I don't want to be a gossip. I don't want to be a, a, a thief. I don't, I don't want to be full of lust. I don't want to be a, a so angry and so bitter at everybody. I don't want to be that anymore. But the problem isn't that you don't want it. The problem is you don't want to admit to somebody that it's in your life. And so pride is the thing stopping you from being healed. Today, I believe that God's going to deliver you from that. Amen. Amen. Would you all stand up with me right now? Scripture says to stay humble. And those who humble themselves are elevated by the Lord. See, we think that we can't tell somebody I've got this sin in my life because that's going to lower my stock in their book. Let me tell you. That if you're willing to lower your stock in their book, God's going to elevate it back up. It says, humble yourselves and God will elevate you. Amen. So what's in your dark room? 
Is it one of the above mentioned things? Is it some secret sin? Is, it, is, it, is your dark room, is the biggest problem actually the padlock of pride that's on the door as opposed to the thing that's in the room? Is it some belief you know is wrong but, won't, but you won't let it go? Or is it maybe something you're afraid to tell the world because you're too busy wanting to be their friend and so you just agree to everything? In a moment, we're gonna pray for people real soon. But I do wanna to talk to you for one second about how do we stop these dark rooms full of crap coming back in our lives? How do we, because I don't, I don't want to deal with it and then have another one immediately. Anybody else? Like, like I'm just, come on, I want a bit more space between dramas in my life. You know what I mean? Like, how do, we, how do we make it so that we are less susceptible to this stuff in our lives? I had a conversation with a friend this week because I broke my hip. I broke my hip. No, I didn't. I hurt my hip last weekend. It just stopped working for no reason at all. It's like, you're 38 now, time to stop working. And I was like, well, that sucks. And it was my good hip too. So that was, made it worse. So I went and saw my friend Brooks. He's a chiropractor. And he said something to me about, chi- about coronavirus that really smacked me in the face. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, you nailed it. He said something very, very natural. But it, it, to me, I just, it was like a very spiritual thing that I want to share with you. What he said about coronavirus is, he goes, we, we, we too often want to focus on the virus instead of the host. that too many people were focused on the virus instead of what they needed in their own bodies. Hmm. Don't we do that all the time with sin? We're so obsessed with sin and what everybody's doing wrong and we're so obsessed trying to do that 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 we forget about what, what do I need to do to protect myself from it? What he said was too many people were so concerned with staying away from the virus but they didn't actually put in any effort at making their bodies a less welcoming host to the virus. And so last year, did you know the average American, so some more, some less, some none, some lost weight, some... Did you know that the average American, if you average it all out, the average American gained almost 30 pounds. Now, I'm not judging anybody in here, but if you're wondering why the earth's been spinning a little different, America did that. (laughs) Spit off kilter now, you know... You know, that's why winter was so long. It tilted away from the sun a little bit. America did that. Now, I'm not judging anybody. Hey, some people have more weight because of medical conditions, but not just that. Some people have different issues in their lives. Some people were born different. Some people went through different things. Some people have, have, have had different, different struggles in life. So that, that's not the purpose of this, all right? But listen to what I'm saying. There was a virus. We spent so much time worried to get worried about staying away from it but we actually put on about 30 pounds each even though weight was the highest indicator of a bad experience with coronavirus or even a fatal experience so instead of being healthier that they would be a less welcoming host for the virus America actually isolated themselves put on weight and made themselves a more welcoming host to the virus isn't that fascinating we ate worse food and we closed all the gyms. And again, all my opinions on that are on the Instagram. <laughs> all the things I'm like, you know, I won't preach that at church. That's personal. That's not eternity. It really is though. <laughs> but haven't we done the same thing with our spirits and a virus called sin? Instead of staying engaged with each other, learning how to love each other, learning how to deal with someone who has a different opinion than us without raging at them and wanting to stab them in the neck through Instagram, like instead of being engaged with each other, the average American Christian was isolated, stayed home home from church, hearts filled with fear, getting spiritually lazy and fat. And did you know in most cases, not all, so so maybe some of y'all stayed home last year. I'm not having a go at you. Some people stayed engaged from home. But most... Christians last year that were watching online. This is, not, this is not my research. This is the research from like Gallup and all those places that most Christians that watched online watched a maximum of once every four weeks. Completely disengaged from the Word of God, completely disengaged from community, began to stagnate in their spiritual life making their spirits a more welcoming host to sin, growing our isolated dark rooms, festering. And since then, I have never in my life spoken to more people with broken or breaking marriages, broken or breaking relationships in my life. 
never in my life have I spoken to more people with broken or breaking marriages than right now. And, and you ask any of my staff, same for all of us, never in our lives have we dealt with more brokenness in marriages than right now. And I'll tell you, not all, not every one of them, but easily 95% of them, an easy, probably more, an easy 95% of them are people who one of them or both of them stayed out of church last year. Easy 95%. I've never seen more gossip. I've never seen more lust. I've never seen more anger. I've never seen more hatred toward people who disagree with each other. I've never seen more pain in all my life. Now don't get me wrong, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Speak to me, share it with me. I love you. I'm here to help you. But I know how it happened. Because in isolation, a dark room gets darker. That's why everybody's at war with each other right now. That's why everybody's at war. They're not just isolated from each other. They're isolated from the presence of God. And their dark rooms are festering. Jealousy grew. Lust grew. Bitterness grew. We've all got these little parts of our hearts that God wants us to give completely to Him. So today in community, in God's presence, we're going to open up the windows of some dark rooms in our lives. We're going to do what Scripture says. We're going to confess our sins to one another that we may be healed. It doesn't say confess your sins to one another that you may be saved. You are saved because you believe in Jesus. But if you want healing from all the darkness, all that crap, then we've got to share. God designed us for communion, communion with each other and communion with God. That means community, getting together. God designed you for that. So will you finally give Him your last dark room today? Will you give it to Him today? We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to call out some dark rooms in your lives. I've had to do this and I'll have to do it again. But we can sit there and let it fester. Or we can take it to the Lord. We can finally give Himself, give Him our whole hearts. Say, God, have your way in my life. Help me become all that you designed me to be. Do you really believe that after you give Him your dark room, that life's not going to get better afterwards? Come on, it's just time for us to humble ourselves. Let God elevate us. See, after you open the doors and the windows of the dark room, invite Him in. You're going to feel more alive than you've ever felt, with more passion than you've ever had. I want to tell you right now, freedom awaits you. If there's a dark room in your life, lift up your hand right now. There's a dark room in your life. It's, it's bitterness, it's shame, it's a sin, it's pride, it's something else. I don't know what it is. Just lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. I'm going to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you that no matter what our dark room is, you love us. That we're welcome in your house. That Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins. That, that those of us who have different dramas in our lives, God, we're not better than anybody else. We're just on a different journey. And your timing is different in all of our lives. But God, we have our hands raised right now because each and every one of us know that there is a room that you're asking for. And so now we just say, God, have your way. Now we just say, God, this room is yours. Here are the keys. Help me honour you in this room. God, we open the windows, we open the door. We pray that life and joy and hope would come in. But I pray for freedom in those rooms. God, you didn't save us so that we could live in bondage. You saved us that we could live in freedom, that we could experience the fullness of your joy, the fullness of your love, the fullness of your grace, the fullness of your favour. God, we want to live a life experiencing your fullness in our lives, God. And so now we completely give our hearts to you, completely give our lives to you. And God, I ask right now that you would deliver every single one of these people that you would speak to them that you would lead them that you would tell them who they need to talk to where they need to go how they need to how they need to change Lord God but I thank you that you're going to give us the grace you're going to give us the strength and the courage to see change in our lives God we don't want to live bitter we don't want to abuse people that have things we don't have, God. We want to rejoice with them, God. We don't want to be jealous. We want to rejoice, God. We don't want to lust after other people's stuff. We want to be inspired and we want to learn, Lord. And God, if we ever should get there, we want to use it to honour you and give you glory in our lives in Jesus' name. Someone say amen. amen. And I've already gone two minutes over, but I ain't done. There's one more thing, and then I'm going to hand over to Pastor Sean. All right? Pastor Sean, that dude's a legend. 
And I'm surprised he came up here after the two times I abused him in his service, all right? I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> Who loves Pastor Sean? Give me a champion. I doubt he has a dark room. Seriously, he's one of the most humble people I've met in my life. Just go ask him about it. Go talk to him about it. He's a legend. Anyway, um, the last thing I want to talk about is that, that padlock on the door. Pride. Pride. Some of y'all have pride and God wants to break it off you. So could everyone close their eyes front to back, right to left, everybody close your eyes. Let's be kind enough to give people privacy. Come on, it would be rude to look around when someone's basically saying, yeah, I'm pretty prideful. That would be rude, all right? Could you take, do me a favor and take like an inch or two steps away from your spouse? And what I'm gonna ask you to do, ladies and gentlemen, is to not be like, I'm gonna use my peripherals to see if they finally put their hand up. <laughs> close your eyes. Be kind, all right? Do you want to know they're getting healed or do you just want them to get healed, all right? Okay, so just give people privacy. Close your eyes, front to back, right to left. Do the right thing. The right thing is to give people privacy right now, all right? Some of you, you hate your sin. You hate it. You don't want it. It's hurting you. You know it's hurting you. But there's this thing in you that wants to be recognized by the world or by our spouses or by our friends or by our pastors or by our leaders or whatever else or by anyone, even strangers. We spend a lot of time trying to impress people we'll never meet, don't we? You know? And, 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 it's, and so this pride thing is stopping you from getting freedom in that area of your life. You don't want to lower your stock in their book. Right now, if you do have a problem with pride, you know it, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, you feel it in your heart. I want you to lift up your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Shoot it up. Shoot it up. You can put your hands down. Right now, I just want to tell you this. That was your step one. That was, I need help. And I just honor you for that. I just honor you for that. I know that God is going to honor you right now. And now I want to pray for you, all right? I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will give you the courage. I'm going to pray one part of this prayer that you're not going to like, but it's going to bring you freedom, okay? Could I have everyone in the room put their hands up? I want to pray. Everyone in the room, hands up. And I want to pray for those of you. And I'm, we're, some of us are hands up because we're receiving prayer, and some of us are hands up because we're the people that put our hands up before saying we got pride. And a hands up, it's just we're just reaching out to God. We're, we're reaching out to God. God bless these people. But God, I just pray for every person that honestly and openly said, I got a, I got a thing with pride. First, I thank you for this moment of humility in their lives saying, I need help. God, I just honor that. I just ask you to bless them for that. But there's two things I ask you to do, Lord. The first one is I ask you to drop a name on their heart, a name of somebody that they need to speak this to, confess your sins to one another that they might be healed. God, I ask right now that you would drop a name on their hearts of the person they need to share this with. It might be a leader, it might be a pastor, it might be a friend, it might be, it might be, a, it might be a colleague. It's, it's another believer. It's a believer that has grace. It's a believer that's going to hear you and pray for you and stand with you. But this moment where you're going to confess, I've got pride and it's held me back from, from a victory in this area of my life where I've got this problem. God, I pray you drop a name on their hearts. And God, I pray that you fill their hearts with faith and the courage and the boldness needed to start this one conversation, God. God, I'm not talking about boldness forever, but just at least enough boldness to start this one conversation. Enough courage would well up, enough faith would rise up in their hearts that they could start this one conversation with the person, with the name that you drop in their hearts. Could everyone put their hands down? And here's what I want you to do. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to move right now. Just start speaking to hearts, speaking to hearts, speaking to hearts. Every eye is still closed. Holy Spirit, move. As the Holy Spirit drops a name on your heart, I want you to lift up your hand and acknowledge that you're hearing Him. On the counter, just actually just go, Holy Spirit, drop a name. Come on, if He drops a name on your heart, just lift up your hand. Drop a name. Holy Spirit, drop a name on their hearts. Drop a name on their hearts. Drop a name on their hearts that they would find freedom in confession. Drop a name on their hearts, Lord, I pray. Some of you all don't want to lift up your hand because you're like, that doesn't make sense. Listen, you trying to make sense of it hasn't worked for the last 10 years. So let's forget about if it makes sense or not. If God dropped the name right now, just that's the name. Holy Spirit, drop a name. Drop a name. God, I pray for every one of them. That 
you give them the courage that they need to today or tomorrow send that text message saying we need to have coffee to start that phone call saying let's go out for coffee let's get on our bikes let's have a conversation Lord I pray that courage and faith would rise in their hearts that they could share with that person with that name that you drop on the heart the struggle in their lives and I pray that as they humble themselves before you and as they humble themselves before man that Lord God you would lift them up out of the clay in Jesus name Amen everybody give the Lord a shout of praise God bless you thank you Pastor Sean well thank you so much for listening to this message if you enjoyed it be sure to check out our other episodes if you would like to connect with Eternity Church please visit myeternity.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.